You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network. Into the stretch run of this 2021 NFL season on to week 15. As always, I'm joined by Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold here on BetQL, the Sunday spread. Thanks to everybody watching us on Twitch as well, on the Odyssey app, and of course on the bet stations all across the country. We got a lot to get to this week. We only got an hour as always to get to it, but what a crazy week, Grant, in the NFL. Some of it right in your backyard there in the nation's capital with COVID, unfortunately, across this country in the NBA and the NFL, you name it, having a serious impact and ultimately three games being moved around this week because of all of it. Yeah, I think the NFL inevitably did the right thing for whatever reason they came to the conclusion to move the games. Perhaps it was because uh, they were worried about the quality of their product. Maybe it was because the Players Association pushed for these games to be moved just for sheer safety with some of the teams struggling to have enough numbers to field an active roster. Here in Washington, where I'm broadcasting from, they're down 23 players on the COVID list. Now, moving the game back 48 hours is going to help them presumably get some of those guys back, but it might be three, four, five guys. It could be 13 guys. We have no idea. So any amount of time that you could give these clubs, particularly I would say the Cleveland Browns, who had a Saturday game, was a benefit. So now you've got Cleveland playing part one of a doubleheader against the Raiders on Monday. You've got the Rams who were ravaged by COVID moving their game with Seattle to Tuesday. And at the same time, they're playing Washington and Philadelphia will be playing as well. And think about this, Alex, all three of these games are massively significant as far as playoff implications. You know, if this was two teams that were irrelevant playing in a game that maybe doesn't have any playoff implications, you could have probably just had them play the game and said, let's be frank, guys, this isn't that significant in the grand scheme of things. But the Browns can win their division. The Rams are back in the hunt in the NFC West, and they feel like they can still make noise. And Washington and Philly are tied for the last wildcard spot in the NFC. So you want to protect the shield. The league talks about that a lot. And protect the integrity of some of these matchups. They did that. I didn't really understand why they were so hesitant to move games to begin with. But here we are in the 12th hour. They got it right. Yeah, and there was a lot of confusion about, you know, why they move games because in the offseason we know there was some changes to the policy this year and everybody kind of focused in on that line that said, oh, you got to forfeit games, right, if you're going to have COVID outbreaks. We're not moving games this year. We're just not going to do it. And there was a lot of pushback, and I think people kind of w- went back and looked at that, and a lot of it had to do with if they were unable to reschedule games, a forfeit. Well, to what you just laid out there, they still had some flexibility to move it to Monday or Tuesday. What it just means is if for some reason we get to Tuesday and and this game isn't able to be played, at that point, at that point, that's when maybe a forfeit could happen. And and not only that, they're never going to forfeit games. I mean, people can pretend like that's a possibility. Fine. They were never going to do that. The only reason the league brought up the idea of a forfeit was to try to convince players who didn't want to get vaccinated to get vaccinated, which largely worked, by the way, because most of these teams got well over – the threshold in Washington, when they came out with that statement, they were the lowest vaccination rate team in the National Football League 
as they were getting ready to start training camp, they ended up over 90 plus percent. I was told by somebody with the team this week that they had, I think it was a total of five or maybe six guys on the entire team that were unvaccinated. So you're also seeing in these cases, McVay said all of the Rams, I can't confirm that. I know for a fact for Washington, it was only, I think, two of all of the 20 plus players unvaccinated who were on these COVID lists. And my point in bringing this up is not to get into a, a who done it or who's vaccinated, who isn't, witch hunt. All I'm saying is that they did everything the league asked them to do, right? They, they got vaccinated. They followed the protocols, we believe, or else they'd probably be in trouble. But, and, and they still contracted COVID and are still in a bad way. So I think when the league came out with that statement, as you said, it was about not being able to reschedule games, which they were. But really, it was an empty threat all along. There's too much money to be lost. There's too much money from these TV networks. They were never going to not have games. Anyone who thinks that is just wrong. It, this is a business, and it's about the dollars. Follow the money. They were not forfeiting games. I'll eat my phone if that ever happens. It's not <laughs> going to happen. Right, and, and it is bizarre. Like, did people want there to be forfeited games? Like, even some of the reaction from players I've seen, you know, on social media, like, you told us you would you would forfeit these games. Like, do you want games forfeited? Who who wants games to be forfeited, even if it's your team that might have a slight advantage because of it? Like, who doesn't want to, to have to actually go out and play to get a win? Do you really want to be the team that they got a free win and didn't have to play a football game? And also, the players lose your lose your game check. That's the other part. Let's not forget about that. Well, the, the players would lose their game checks out of this, too, if these games got forfeited. That was also part of the, 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 the agreement in the offseason. So I think players for the Eagles, the Raiders, and the Seahawks want the game to be played when it was scheduled. They have a benefit. They have a better chance sure. to win the football game. I think from a fan standpoint, yeah, Eagles fans, Raiders fans that need these games for their team's playoff chances to improve, they would love for the game to be forfeited. It's not their money that they lose. But you're right. I don't think there's any players that want the game forfeited. But it does in those markets where nobody did anything wrong, Philadelphia, Las Vegas, uh, Seattle, what have you, it feels like a slap in the face. You're saying, I sat here, I followed all the rules, and now you're screwing me over. I saw a couple of the reporters in Philly saying, you know, the Eagles are being, um, you know, basically, uh, I don't know what word they were used, but like job. And my point is, okay, maybe it's bad luck, whatever, but this is an inconvenience, right? This isn't some major slight. Like, let's all settle down. If the shoe was on the other foot and your team was about to play in a game it had to have, and presumably almost nobody did anything wrong, and this happened, you'd probably just want as close to a fair chance as possible. And it's not like all these players are going to come back for these teams. The Rams are still going to be ravaged. The Washington's still going to not have a ton of players. I mean, they're still going to be dogs. They're still going to likely lose the games. They just get to have a puncher's chance without trying to win a fight with both arms tied behind their back. So that's the COVID mess in the NFL this week. But we got some spotlight games to get to. Let's get to the three spotlight games of the week right now on the Sunday spread. And we start with the Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this line has moved quite a bit, Grant, in the last 24, 48 hours. At one point, the Tennessee Titans were, you know, even two and a half point favorites. It's gone the other way entirely. Tennessee's a one point dog now at Pittsburgh. The total at 41 and a half. I'll have a specific play on this game during the pick six but for me I, I look at Tennessee here we know what's at stake for them they're still up there for the number one seed despite everything that's gone on they got to keep pace with the Patriots they got to keep pace with the Chiefs but they have the tiebreaker over Kansas City and, and for me 
it's all about the run game in, in this game. Like Pittsburgh, we view them as a great pass rushing team with TJ Watt and everything like that. But against the run, they've been about as bad as anybody. They're towards the bottom of the league against the run. And, and I know there's no Derrick Henry still back for Tennessee, but I think this is an opportunity for the Titans to be able to run the football. And with that, set some things up for Ryan Tannehill. This is two games that he'll have Julio Jones back for. This is the second one. So I kind of lean Tennessee in this game. Again, I'll have a pick in particular, but this is a must win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all agree there. If they lose, their playoff chances go completely uh, the opposite way, and they're eliminated, essentially. Yeah, so the one reason I would say that you might consider the Steelers in this game is just sheer hunger. You know, not that the Titans don't want to win, but the Steelers have got to have it. And in fact, as they sat at their facility, you know, in the locker room this week after practices, looking up at the TV screens in their dressing room, they're seeing that the division is wide open. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens are taking on water. They won't have Lamar Jackson. They lose another corner to COVID, so their whole secondary is out as they play Aaron Rodgers. The Cleveland Browns are one of the most decimated teams by COVID-19 right now in the National Football League. They don't have Baker Mayfield. They don't have Case Keenum. So as as you're talking about, I mean, who's going to win the North? Maybe it's the Bengals, but they're three-point dogs this week against Denver. So if you're Pittsburgh, you're going, wait a second, guys. We string together a couple wins. We could be in first place with some football left here. Uh, I think that will benefit them, but the Titans are the better team. It's basically a toss-up game, and you mentioned it. Here's my concern for the Steelers as far as the product on the field between the lines goes. They are dead last now at stopping the run at 4.97 yards per play. They are, when it comes to yards per game, which is not as good a metric, still 31st, about 139 rushing yards per game. You saw that Vikings game on Thursday last week like I did. Dalvin Cook was running through 18-wheelers <laughs> – truck sized holes like you could have driven golf carts through any of the holes he ran through i think you would have had 82 yards i would have had like 17 in that game i, I get that much credit were... i appreciate it you think the gap between you and i is that great i like it thank you you're skinny and probably presumably can run yeah but I here's the to... thing grant the minute the minute i get touched i'm going down man there's no yak there's no there's, okay, there's no there's breaking tackles or anything that's not happening well, you wouldn't have gotten touched in that game until you were 11 yards from the line of scrimmage. That's the thing. I'll bump you down because you're right. You probably can't take on any contact to like maybe 59 yards. But the point is that that was the worst performance against the run I've seen defensively in years. I think they'll tighten some of that up with Mike Tomlin, but they'll still be able to run the ball for Tennessee this week. So I'm with you. If I had to pick the game and I'm avoiding it, I would take the Titans. The other spotlight game, it, you mentioned that AFC North with the Ravens kind of floundering a little bit here. They're hosting the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay, seven-point favorites. This is another game where the line has really gone up. It was four and a half not too long ago. It's now seven. The total at 43 and a half. Lamar Jackson, questionable. We all saw that ankle injury he suffered last week in the loss to Cleveland. And give the Ravens credit. They made it interesting very, very late in that game. And for those of you, uh, that would be myself included, that had Cleveland minus two and a half. It was a disgusting, bad beat for you last week. We're all in that one together. Aaron Rodgers, though, in this game, look, he's not practicing throughout the week. We know that toe injury is something he's going to deal with all week long. That keeps getting worse. I'm staying away from this game at seven. When it was at four and a half, I, I, I thought about that would have been my play for the week. This thing's ballooned up to seven. I, I don't like it there, despite Baltimore being a mess in terms of even some of the, the discipline that we typically don't see a Harbaugh coach team have issues with. They're They've committed 31 penalties over the past four games. That is unusual for a Ravens team, not to mention that offensive line is really struggling right now. So I, I like the Packers to win this game, 
I think there's a chance the Ravens cover it at seven. If you get it at seven, I think you actually feel pretty good that Baltimore, if Lamar Jackson, right, that's the risk, if Lamar Jackson can play in this game, can cover that seven. Yeah, so that's the key, though, is Lamar, and there's a good chance he doesn't go. And this is just not the Ravens team like you're thinking about. A lot of people, when picking this game, are considering where you go, well, they're going to be frisky, and they're going to battle, and John Harbaugh is going to have them playing a tight game. I mean, they are pillaged right now, and they just lost another DB, bro. I mean, so they now are without their entire original secondary against Green Bay. They already are the 31st ranked defense in the NFL. They're bad on that side of the ball. They're 30th against the pass per play, about seven and a half yards per. They're 31st in yards per game at 266. And here comes the Packers, who are a top six passing offense with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I think they'll make yards in chunks. I think it'll be hard to keep up. If Baltimore covers the seven, it's going to be a backdoor cover, in my opinion. I will just say, though, the drop-off right now between Lamar Jackson who is potentially out and who hasn't been healthy and his backup Tyler Huntley is not as substantial as we would probably like it to be for a former MVP. He was throwing a lot of bad passes and interceptions. Huntley played good football. I actually think this guy can play a little bit. That's not to say Lamar Jackson's not special and one of the, the best players in the league. But my point is the way that they play, if they can run the ball a little bit with Huntley and he can not turn the ball over the last couple of weeks before he was inserted, it was an interception fest for Lamar Jackson, so uh, just something to yeah. do. Yeah, it has not been the, the MVP Lamar Jackson for quite some time this season, unfortunately, if you're a Ravens fan. And I don't know how you view Green Bay. Like To me, Green Bay is the best team in football. Uh, you know, I, I think Kansas City is probably the second or third best team in football, but I still look at Green Bay because they've done this, and this putting themselves in a position to be the number one seed up there with Tampa Bay, despite not having Jair Alexander for much of the season, who's on his way back. Bakhtiari, of course, their, their left tackle. Like, that's impressive to me that you're, you've been able to do this with also missing one game uh, from Aaron Rodgers, of course, due to COVID and everything like that. So, like, I, I view Green Bay as one of the best, if not the best team in all of football. And so that's just a major challenge, even if even if Lamar was playing in this game. I, I just don't like the Ravens in this matchup very much to begin with because I view the Packers at the top of the, the pecking order in the NFL. Well, and I, I'm a big Matt LaFleur guy. I covered him here in Washington when he was a quarterback's coach. He's never lost two games in a row as their head coach. He's off to one of the great starts in league history in terms of winning percentage. People give Aaron Rodgers all the credit, but if you look at their record, before LaFleur got there and Rodgers last like 38 games, they were barely over 500, something like that. So uh, he's done a really good job. He deserves credit. They can beat you running the ball, throwing the ball, and just in a defensive struggle. Uh, that's a portable team. I'm with you. They are dangerous. They'll get healthier. My one concern is sometimes you bring some good players back. It takes them a little while to be themselves, and you're ruining some mojo. Um, so that doesn't always work out favorably. We'll see, though. I, they're going to get more talented, and that should help them, you would think. Now, this bye week seems even more impactful for the Rod for Rodgers and the Packers maybe than any other team. If, in fact, that toe, it's true that he said, hey, I still might have to have surgery. I don't know how quickly you can recover from that, but does that bye week, that extra week, if they get it, actually help out Aaron Rodgers in a huge, huge way. In a weird, the, the only flip side of that argument is the toe and the frozen tundra. Seems like a terrible combination. In a weird way, if they actually had to go to Tampa in an NFC title game, just from a, just from his toe in a little warmer weather, I actually think in a weird way that could help him a little bit. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on the radio, I guess, right. in this sense. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know enough about temperature and his toe and all that stuff. I just know they'd rather – I was at Lambeau this year. That's a hell of an atmosphere. 
They'd rather play in front of those 70,000 fans than not. Well, I'm clearly a doctor, so I'm just going to roll. I'm just going to roll with that. This is the Sunday spread on BetQL. Up next, we get to our pick six and those Sunday studs. Your day off with FanDuel Game Day from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. Yeah, we continue here in week 15 of the NFL season. We'll get to our Sunday studs, our favorite player props for the weekend. We'll check in how we're doing. And, of course, towards the end of the show, we'll wrap it all up with our Hail Mary plays of the weekend. Last week, Grant was giving me a hard time. He said, oh, plus 700. Not bold enough, Gold. Not bold enough. Well, let me tell you, we, I think we, uh, we went way over, way over that this week. I think Grant will approve of the odds of my Hail Mary play uh, coming up at the end of the show. But right now, let's get to our favorite plays, the pick six. The pick six. All right, and I'll start things off a little bit, Grant. And you referenced uh, Cincinnati in that AFC North, and the Broncos and Bengals will square off on Sunday. Cincinnati was uh, about a two-point dog, two-and-a-half dog. The line now over at FanDuel sits at plus three. So I like this even better. I would have taken Cincinnati at two or two-and-a-half. Now you're going to give me the number at three. Broncos initially opened as one-point favorites, and so I like Cincinnati in this game. Look, the Bengals overall, if you're just looking at trends, they're 4-2, and two, simply put, against the spread on the road. But I don't believe this Broncos offense can keep up with the Bengals. The Broncos, to their credit, have exceeded, in my opinion, expectations this year. That defense is a legit. I thought once Von Miller left that that team was going to fall apart. That has not been the case. I think they deserve a lot of credit for the situation that they have been in. But Teddy Bridgewater is just a game manager. We all know that. And they're 20th in scoring. Joe Burrow and the Bengals, to me, are far more capable of pulling out a nice lead here and being able to put away the Broncos. I don't believe the Broncos are built to come from behind. The Bengals, you talk about points per drive a lot, Grant. They're 11th in the NFL in points per drive. And you you look on the other end, the Broncos around 18th or so in points per drive. I just don't believe Denver's consistent enough. So I think they went outright, the, the Bengals, that is. So I love them to cover the plus three. So I'll also put a little bit on the money line in this game for Cincinnati. So I hate that we're going to agree right out of the shoot here. We rarely have the same <laughs> games. But my first game was Cincinnati plus three. I feel better about it than almost anything this weekend. Yeah. Frankly, I think they should be favored in this game. I was really surprised when I saw the initial line. You look at some look-ahead lines. Like, there is an overreaction happening. 
to the Bengals losing and the Broncos winning big last weekend. So I like to go back and see how did we get here. Well, Denver pummeled Detroit by 28 points at a time where Detroit is super battered, bruised, COVID-stricken. And that's not to say that the Broncos wouldn't have won anyway. But, I mean, they annihilated them, I think, benefited from who was available and who wasn't for the Lions. And that's the Lions. They're a one-win team. They're going to pick first very likely. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL. And so for that reason, I say, well, we're overrating Denver a little bit. On the flip side, the Bengals lost, but they got off to a bad start uncharacteristically in the first half. Some stupid penalties. They had some foolish moments. They melted down right before halftime against San Francisco, and they came storming back. Watch the second half of that game. They were tremendous. Uh, I like the Bengals to win straight up. I'll take them on the money line. I'll take them with the spread, whatever you want to give me. So if I'm catching three points, let's rock and roll. Grant, I was surprised with the line movement here. I I mean, I I was with you. I'm surprised with the way the line has moved from – from a you know plus one all the way up to to plus three now you're giving me a field goal i i you know i, I absolutely love this line as well it is uh, this is my favorite play of the week also and over on our pick'em contest that you and i are doing uh for our company at odyssey i'm, I'm guessing you and i will both be picking cincinnati outright uh in this game yes we absolutely will although because i'm a few behind you and trying to catch you maybe now i got a zig where you zag yeah, but I, I won't strategically do that. The I got to be careful. I got to be careful with what I say around you now on this show because we're, we're heading down the home stretch of that contest, and I have a feeling I'm going to open my mouth a little bit too much and give away a, a pick or so on that, and I need to wait to the last minute to put in my picks because I know that's what's <laughs> going to happen. You and I are, are probably going to finish one and two in that, that pick'em contest. If I can start remembering to put in my Thursday picks before the <laughs> Thursday night game. That's been don't, a big issue. For don't me. forget. Don't forget this. Don't forget. You know, hopefully you didn't forget the Saturday games or anything like that. Those are going to start hurting you, too. Exactly. Uh, what do you got for your second pick? Yeah. Elsewhere for, for my pick six, I'm going to I'm going to head over uh, to the Houston Texans and the Jags. So two bad football teams. We know that. And look, Urban Meyer finally out the door is, yes, a good thing long term for Jacksonville. They should have moved on a long time ago. I don't know why it took them four months later as an organization to realize, huh? Kicking a player might be a bad thing for our head coach to do. That might that might not be good for our locker room. But I believe the idea that Urban Meyer leaves and suddenly the Jags are that much better of a football team has gotten overblown this week. So much that the Texans are four-and-a-half-point underdogs. I like Houston plus four-and-a-half against Jacksonville here. Trevor Lawrence has thrown one touchdown, one in his last six games. Do we suddenly think Trevor Lawrence, now that Urban Meyer's gone, the very next game is going to go out and throw – for two, three touchdowns in this game. I don't. Look, Jacksonville might win this game, but I don't think they should be four-and-a-half-point favorites. To me, this is the public jumping on the I want Urban Meyer fire train, and it finally happened. And so I think this line has gone way too high for me to to go ahead and back the Jags. So I like Houston plus four-and-a-half. We're like-minded on that as well. I'm pretty surprised by the line. Basically, I would say, though, when everyone's stunned by the line, normally the odds makers are right and we're wrong and they've figured something out that we don't know. Uh, Having said that, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think the Texans are every bit as good as Jacksonville. Remember, they destroyed them in week one. Now, that was a long time, a lot of football, basically a season ago, and maybe isn't that relevant right now. Uh, My second play, I've got the Detroit Lions covering a big number against a good team. Plus 12 and a half. This is a five-star play, according to BetQL, when I checked midweek. I there like we go. what BetQL's thinking. Uh, plus 12 and a hook against Arizona. I think this is a backdoor cover situation. The Lions are getting healthier. They're getting some pieces back. That's key. They will not have DeAndre Swift. I understand that that stings. But I think they'll be able to make some plays here. 
And if you've noticed, there's a couple of cracks in the armor here for the Cardinals. You know, it's not quite the same right now, in my opinion, as it was early this season. So I say all that to say I think that they win probably by around 10 points. I just think 12 and a half is a big number. And the fighting Dan Campbells, when given an opportunity to cover huge numbers this year, have actually scratched and clawed and been in the mix. So I like them to lose, but plus 12 and a half, enticing to me. I'll take Detroit. And as we know, DeAndre Hopkins going to be out for the rest of the regular season. We'll see uh, what Christian Kirk and that Cardinals offense, because I imagine Christian Kirk going to be the guy that's going to have to step up in a big way for Arizona. My final pick six here, Grant. Uh, we mentioned it as one of our spotlight games. Tennessee plus one. They were once two and a half point favorites. I like the line here. And I mentioned my angle on this game is the running game. And, and yes, Derrick Henry is still not back for Tennessee, although maybe a promising sign that there's some discussion week 18 or for the playoffs now that Derrick Henry could come back. We don't know how effective he's going to be. But in this game, the Titans still have found a way with a combination of different backs to, to be able to run the football. They've picked up over 100 yards rushing in each of their last three. And as you pointed out, the Steelers, 30th in rushing overall yards allowed, dead last in yards per carry, giving up five. And as we joked, uh, you and I could have run with some of the holes that the Vikings had against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. I also think in this one, look at look at that, that defense uh, for Tennessee in this one to get after Big Ben. Bud Dupree, yes, the former Steeler, Bud Dupree, activated from or designated return, I should say, from the IR. Looks like he's got a real chance to play in this game against a poor offensive line in Pittsburgh. I like Tennessee to win outright. It's basically a pick of course, now uh, with Tennessee plus one. My final play will be in the NFC East. I was doing my best to avoid a lot of these COVID games. Yeah. But I think there's too good a reason now with the line having swung back for Philadelphia and Washington to expect the Eagles to cover. It got up to as much as like 12 and a half. And when they moved the game a couple of days, the reaction has been that it's right now on Vandal a seven and a half point spread. I don't think Washington's playing them that close. I think what's happened is you're seeing a reaction now where everyone expects that like all these teams, the, the uh, Rams, Washington, the Browns, they're going to get everybody back because they have 48 hours. That's not really how this works. Now, if Washington does get the vast majority of their 23 players off the COVID list, they can absolutely play within seven and a half, but they still didn't have a week with any kind of normal practices. They've still got a bunch of guys coming back at the last moment, being thrust into the game plan. It's still a turbulent, kind of awful preparation. Uh, Eagles, minus seven and a half. I think they win going away. Remember, as of this moment, as we talk, Garrett Gilbert might still start at quarterback. Like, There's no guarantee you get Kyle <laughs> Allen off the COVID list. If you don't get Kyle Allen back, it's very unlikely they get Heineke back. He was just placed in the protocol on Friday. Then you're starting a guy who's been in your building for like 44 hours. What are we doing here, Harry? To quote ancient philosopher uh, Lloyd Christmas. I don't know why this is only a seven and a half point line, but I will accept it. This gift, I will take it. Eagles minus seven and a half. Those are our favorite plays for our pick six here on BetQL. It's the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. How about those players? Let's get to the Sunday studs. The Sunday spread presents the Sunday studs. Okay, Grant, so I'm going back to that Houston Jaguars game here. The one thing I do believe with Urban Meyer being gone is James Robinson, your best player, Guess what? Let's feed him the football. Daryl Bevel even mentioned it. He's the interim head coach here this week and for the rest of the season. James Robinson, over 85 and a half rushing yards. A very popular prop bet this week. 
The quote from Daryl Bevel, James Robinson is our starting running back, and he will be played as such. Now, Houston, terrible against the run. They allow 130 rushing yards per game to backs. That's the most in the league. This just sets up for a James Robinson game. I think he has over 100 yards rushing in this one. As those teams, I don't think, will be able to, to pass the ball all that well. James Robinson, come on now. It's his time to, to shine finally now that Urban Meyer's out of the mix. I like Josh Allen rushing for over 31 and a half yards is the number I've got. Carolina and Buffalo. I think you saw what the Bills did last week, and it's what they want to be. I know they lost the game, but they came roaring back in the second half against Tampa Bay. Allen in that game was their running game. They did not hand the ball to a running back in the first half. I hate running the football. People know that about me. I like it a lot more than their play caller, Brian Dable, does, I think. he's No one's ever hated running the ball more than Brian Dable. But I think what they're going to do is Josh Allen, power left, Josh Allen, power right, naked boot, a lot of that kind of stuff. He'll get over 31 rushing yards. I feel good about that play. That's what they should have done against New England. QB powers, my goodness. I feel like that was a missed opportunity a couple weeks ago for Josh Allen. I would imagine we'll see more of that here in a couple weeks when the, when the Patriots and Bills square off again. I'm going with the quarterback prop bet for my next one here. Mike Glennon with the Giants. He's going to start under 196 and a half passing yards. He's played in three games this year. Limited action, we know that. Yet to go over that number. And here, here's really why I like it. More than just Mike Glennon, do I believe he's capable of throwing for over 200 yards. It's that Jake Fromm has a very good chance at getting some snaps. That's the reports out of New York. And so you're telling me Mike Glennon already might have struggled to get over 200. And now Jake Fromm's going to potentially see some action. And so I think that steals some snaps. Jake Fromm is going to play before this game is over on Sunday for the Giants. Yeah, the reason I love that is because to get to 200, I think he would need some you know late game, four-minute, hurry-up type offense, garbage production. And if he's not going to be on the field for that, then you might as well just cash your winnings now, Alex. I mean, he's he needs the end <laughs> of that game, and he may not be given the end of that game. I'm going to go with Jeff Wilson over 62 and a half rushing. Now, this is ominous because you never know what back is going to carry the mail for San Francisco. There's always some guy that's been on the team for three hours that Kyle Shanahan gives 18 carries to. There's a lot of Debo Samuel in that backfield right now. But they're going to run the ball against the Falcons. They're going to move the ball on the ground. They don't have their top running back, and it looks like, based on last week, Jeff Wilson is the beneficiary. Over 62 and a half, assuming he gets the 13 to 15 carries that I think he will, I think he hits that number. Yeah, there's, I don't know if there's, is there much juice on that? Is that, I think that's minus 110 over at, at FanDuel, so I kind of like it there, because that'd be one, that's the issue on the, the James Robinson prop, I should point out on, on my James Robinson prop, that's up to like minus 130 now, so keep an eye on on that, you got to be a little careful with, with the value that you potentially could have. Lastly, for me, though, Grant, uh, for our Sunday studs here, another quarterback prop bet, Ryan Tannehill. We know that the Tennessee Titans going up against Pittsburgh. I like the over in his passing yard number, over 215 and a half. Julio Jones back for a second straight game. Pittsburgh's 14th in the league in passing defense, giving up about 231 yards per game. Tannehill only averaging 228. But as we were discussing, I think the running game will actually be something that can set up Ryan Tannehill in this game because of how poor the rush defense is for Pittsburgh. Because when Ryan Tannehill has been at his best, yes, he's had Derrick Henry, but so much is the play action they can build off of. I think they'll be able to run the ball effective enough, effectively enough that they'll be able to go with some play action and get Ryan Tannehill over that number in this game. So Ryan Tannehill over on the passing yards total. How about you on the Sunday spread today? I'm hosting with Alex Vrabel. You're all over the Titans. <laughs> I like I Tennessee it. in a big way. I also, look, I've liked Tennessee more. I also have a long shot 
Tennessee to be the one seed plus 1,600 from the beginning of the season. So You really are, Alex Vrabel. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady over 295 and a half passing yards. Tampa Bay is playing New Orleans. My only concern is if they get up by so much early that yeah. they just start pounding the football. But uh, even then, Bruce Arians, Brady, they haven't really shown much of a hunger to slow down or to take their foot off the gas pedal. It's almost like, you know, he's in the vying, uh, now vying for a MVP, almost like a game where you keep a guy in to put up numbers from the Heisman race against some random state school to be named later. So I think he goes over 300 passing to get him at 295 and a half feels good. I thought about Taysom Hill under it's around 183 passing for him in that game as well, but I'll go with Brady over in passing yards. Brady is to me. Brady is the MVP. Brady's going to win MVP this year. I think that that to me has been settled at this point in time. You just look at what he's put together. My only hesitation in this one, for whatever reason, Sean Payton plays the Bucks extremely well. I know typically it's with Drew Brees, right, as the starting quarterback. But the Saints have always kind of had the, the the Bucks number. That would be my only hesitation. Sean Payton's with not there. He won't be on I the know. sideline. He's got I know, COVID. But the so game, as, they got as you Kevin know, though. James. Actor that's right. Kevin James wearing the visor is going to be their head coach this weekend. That's right. Look, Sean Payne, the game plan's in. And, man, I wish we had more time to talk about that movie. My goodness. Does anybody have any interest in that plot, by the way? Suspended for Me. one year? Uh, I'm in. None whatsoever. Up next, we get to Around the League and our Hail Mary. Get the table set for all your pro football wagering needs. You're listening to the Sunday Spread on the BetQL Network with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. I'm still thinking about how Grant Paulson brought up Sean Payton in his movie right before we went to break and everything. And if I'm Sean Payton, I think I'm also upset, right? Kevin James need to lose, let another 10 pounds or so. If I'm Sean Payton, like they're doing him dirty, I feel like in this movie as well. You know what an honor it is if you're Sean Payton to have Kevin James, Paul <laughs> Blart from Mall Cop, play you in a film. An accomplished, brilliant, comedic actor like Kevin James. Sean Payton should be honored that Kevin James accepted that role. It honored. does look better than the Kurt Warner movie because that thing, my goodness. Like, I think the Kurt Warner story is fantastic. Kurt Warner, his story, it really is, and Hall of Fame career and everything. But the, the production of that, that film looks a little rough i'll give sean payton's movie at least some credit that that looks like a legit movie and an intentional comedy whereas the other one might just be really brutal for kurt warner i just wish they would have named it little giants too 
That's what it seems like to me. Is that they're just <laughs> running back little giants, which is great because that's my it's classic. It's a classic. I watched Little Giants one thousand times as a kid, and now kids today should get a Little Giants as well. So they've got their version with whatever this Sean Payton movie is. <laughs> We'll get to our Hail Mary before we leave you here on the Sunday spread. Again, he's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gould. But it is time to go around the league. And what a week it's been around the league, as we mentioned with COVID. We start things off here around the league, though, with the Carolina Panthers, plus 10.5 at the Buffalo Bills, the total at 42. And we all saw what happened last week for Buffalo. You know, they, they got themselves a huge hole against Tampa Bay. And to their credit, they made it very, very interesting late. I thought they were going to end up coming back and winning that game. I'm not as down on Buffalo as others. Like, I actually think Buffalo covers this game. It's not a play for me this week, but I, I lean with Buffalo in this game. I, I think Josh Allen has still played at a very high level the last couple weeks, despite finding themselves on the wrong end in the scoreboard there. I, I'm not as down on Buffalo. I still consider them one of the best teams in the AFC. I actually still believe the Bills and the Chiefs might be the two most dangerous teams overall in the AFC. Yeah, I got no problem with you leaning that way. I actually think they cover as well. I mean, this is a Bills team that has to have this game at 7-6. and six. 363 points scored this season. The tops in the division. That would be tops, by the way, in, in any division other than the West where the Chiefs reside in the AFC. So I don't see Carolina having the firepower to keep up here unless they can get to the quarterback and force some turnovers. I'm with you. I think the Bills pull away. Now, let's go to the Jets. Plus nine and a half at Miami, catching nine plus points now. New York, a game with a total of 41. The Dolphins have been much better of late, but they are dealing with injuries, COVID situations, more so than the Jets. And it's why well, I've got a little bit of a sneaky lean. I'm not playing this game, but if I was, I might go with New York. If you've got games where one team is more obviously affected in preparation than the other, this might be a week to jump on some dogs, especially with some of these lines. I mean, there are a bevy of these double-digit or close to it, in this case, point lines. Uh, Zach Wilson's looking for a finish down the stretch here to go into the offseason with a little momentum. A lot of talk about how much he's struggled. I think they've really got to just prioritize over anything else the rest of the way. Getting him going in the passing game, getting him comfortable, getting him off to some fast starts, and maybe they start doing that with the number 23 offense and number 25 passing offense in the National Football League. You mentioned it there, Jalen Waddle not going to be available. And if, for those of you watching uh, Sunday Spread here on Twitch as well, you can see over at FanDuel, the money line, plus 360. I'm not I'm not that confident enough to, to go if they can outright winner here for the Jets, but it's kind of interesting if you're, if you're someone that does a weekly underdog parlay. Uh, not not a bad idea to at least look in that direction. If, if you're if you're doing that on a regular basis now, if you're just trying to find an underdog this week, I don't think this is uh, in particular the one, only one that you're going to play as we continue going around the league. How about the NFC East, your neck of the woods? It's involving some teams that you know very well. The Dallas Cowboys, minus 10.5 at the New York Giants, a total at 44.5. You know my thoughts on Mike Lennon in this game because that's the starting quarterback for the Giants and how Jake Fromm's going to get in. Like, I... I stay away from this game, but I'm, I'm definitely, if you're saying that you got to pick overall, A, an outright winner, or you got to pick a side, then this is one where I would consider the Cowboys in a teaser, tease that number down a little bit, uh, because I still worry that, that maybe the Giants get a backdoor cover. But Mike Lennon, Jake Fromm, it just doesn't bode very well for the New York Giants here. So this is one in the NFC East, the wild NFC East, that I think you just stay away from overall. And 
And this is one that I think if you're a Washington football team fan and you're neck of the woods, obviously you're very interested in a Giants victory somehow. Yeah, I guess. Although I would say that the Cowboys have all but kind of secured the NFC East at this point. I mean, you perhaps want it to be jumbled up and closer to have maybe a mathematical chance. But Dallas is going to win this division, I would say, at this point. And if somebody pushes them, it's likely to be Philadelphia. Let's hop over to the AFC South. Two teams looking for their third win of the season. This is your game of the week. Spelled a little differently. E-A-K. Houston, plus four and a half at Jacksonville. 39 and a half is the total here. No Urban Meyer for the Jags for the first time. They've turned their operation over to Daryl Bevel. Uh, why not? I mean, if your offense is as good as Jacksonville's is, uh, and by that I mean ranked 27th in the NFL in <laughs> yards per play and 30th in yards per game and 32nd in passing, why not take over as the head coach? Let's just take over more responsibility. Uh, but the Texans' offense is worse. They're so bad on offense. Davis Mills looked pretty good last week, so they'll try to create some momentum for him. But, I mean, dead last in, in both yards per game and per play. Dead last run in the football in both categories. 31st in passing yards per game and 30th in yards per play. There's not a worse offense probably in the NFL. So, hopefully you don't have to watch this one. But if you do... You bet right. Uh, I would like to say, generally, this is a, a game, a sneaky, like I'll take Jacksonville in points, but they're somehow favored by four and a half points in this game. So give me, when two bad teams play, you've heard me say this a lot on the show this year, give me the team catching points. The bad team getting points is better than the bad team that's supposed to cover. So I'll take Houston, the text. Houston was one of my plays, uh, plus four and a half. So I'm, I'm with you there. That's one of my pick six plays. I think Jacksonville wins this game because James Robinson finally is going to get the football. But it's hard for me to believe that in, in just one week or less than a full week even that Trevor Lawrence, just because Urban Meyer's out of there, which, again, I acknowledge is a benefit, that suddenly he's going to find his groove. I mean, the guy has one touchdown pass in the last six games, man. That's, yeah, that's the it challenge. Hasn't been, he's made a lot of mistakes, and they're not going to just stop. I do think – that from a distraction standpoint and, and just a morale standpoint, this could be beneficial for the next few weeks. In fact, you know, I, I'm Mr. Dead Cat Bounce. We've talked about that on the show with previous coaching changes and things that have happened. I just, I don't like this line. If they were a couple of point dogs, I would take them. Being favored to go out and win a football game by five, no thanks. Elsewhere, we go back over to the NFC. The Cardinals and the Lions. I know you had one of your bets and uh, your pick six involved the Cardinals and the Lions. Arizona minus 12 and a half at Detroit. The total at 47. We mentioned no DeAndre Hopkins uh, for the rest of uh, of this regular season, that is. It's interesting, though, the Cardinals 500 over the last six games. And I know Kyler Murray, of course, has been out for a, bu a bulk of those. But the Cardinals have cooled off a little bit. Are they sensing some pressure here from the L.A. Rams and the way the Rams are playing here down the stretch suddenly after what they did this past week? Uh, the Lions at 12 and a half, uh, you, you took them to cover in this game. Interesting uh, to, to backdoor it here. I think if you're going to have a play, that is the play in this game. If you're if you're forced to do it, uh, the Cardinals, as we both know, are winning this game. It's just, all right, are they capable of blowing a team out still without Hopkins and with kind of how they've been sputtering around a little bit? Sneaky in the playoff hunt and catching a bunch of points here. The Atlanta Falcons are like one of the surprise six and seven teams in the NFL. I think they're the team if you just – walked up to someone in a shopping mall during the holiday season and said, what's the Falcons record? They'd be like, oh, they've won four games. I mean, they're came away from 500. They win this game. They've leapfrogged some teams. They're in the playoffs based on some tiebreakers. Like the worst likely. six and seven so plus team nine I've and seen, a half. 
It's unreal. Uh, at San Francisco, totals 46. I think San Francisco wins this game, and they probably cover. But this is a Falcons team that's better than you think. They've got a really good player in Cordero Patterson who's had a strong season. I mean, productivity that's been shocking to everyone with a 1,000 yards from scrimmage. And all of a sudden, they've got Russell as they've been able to make some big plays with Calvin Ridley, which was a problem after he originally stepped away. San Francisco is going to run the ball all over them, though, and they'll win the game. All right, let's go back over to the AFC. Cincinnati, as we mentioned a lot during our spotlight games and also during the pick six, Cincinnati three-point dogs at Denver, total at 44. You and I on the same page with this game. We both love Cincinnati. It's our favorite plays of the week. Cincinnati to cover the three. Cincinnati to win outright. You see the money line over at FanDuel, plus 135. Go ahead and sprinkle something on that as well because I like Cincinnati as outright winners. I just don't believe Denver offensively, A, is consistent enough, and B, has the firepower. Like, I like Cortland Sutton. I like the rookie running back in a big, big way. Javante Williams is a stud. He's going to have a a nice future there in Denver. But Teddy Bridgewater, there's limitations there. And so I think Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon – P. Ryan, even if Mixon gets banged up and has some issue there, I believe offensively they're going to outscore, be in a significant way, outscore the the Denver Broncos. So I like Cincinnati outright in this game uh, against Denver, a little late uh, kickoff there, 405. Similar game script and thought on on this game I'm about to talk about here in that New Orleans is in Tampa and the Saints are catching 11.5. Bucks, big time favorites here, total 45.5. And And I just don't see the Saints being able to keep up with the Bucks. Now, could there be a backdoor cover situation? That's probably your only way into the win column if you're going to back New Orleans. But the Bucks could absolutely just blow them out, right? This is a great offense. Tom Brady's the favorite to win most valuable player. They put up 410 yards per game and over six yards per play because they throw the ball so well. He averages 314 per game through the air. By the way, the uh, on FanDuel, you can go over 295 and a half for his player prop, and that would be about 20 under his season average, which makes some sense. They're ninth in yards per play in the passing game. They've got Leonard Fournette going, so if they can keep him healthy down the stretch here, they might have some more balance. But I love the Bucks in this game to win big. The question is, will the Saints be able to get some kind of late points and get themselves a backdoor? That's around the league here on the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gould. You guys have been with us for the last 15 weeks. You know how we wrap up the show. It's time to get to our Hail Mary. It's now time for the Hail Mary. And Grant, last week, you gave me a hard time. You said, man, what are we doing here? Plus 700, not long shot enough, not not good enough, not bold enough. Well, let me, let me bring you something to the table this week that I think you'll approve of, and it is a long shot, that's for sure. C.D. Lamb with the Dallas Cowboys. Julio Jones with the Tennessee Titans. Amari Cooper with the Dallas Cowboys. Chase Claypool with the Steelers, each to have 75-plus receiving yards. Plus 3,100. Love it. You're making up for your little 10-yard pass into the end zone that you called a Hail Mary. (laughs) Give me Joe Burrow to lead all passers in yards this week. Plus 1,200 on Burrow to go crazy against the Broncos. Enjoy week 15. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Sunday Spread on BetQL. Sunday, get all your wagertainment with the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.